Welcome to Trainers Talking Truths. This is an ISSA podcast dedicated to exploring the fitness industry and uncovering the whys and hows of personal training. To do that, we'll talk directly to the industry experts and certified trainers. We'll dig into fitness programming, business tactics, nutrition, and more. You'll even hear from current training clients who offer insight from the other side. We've got the fitness industry covered, so turn up the volume and enjoy the drive. Hello, world. Welcome back for another ISSA podcast, Trainers Talking Truths. It's me, Jenny Scott, with my favorite co-host. I have to be so careful because my other favorite co-host is on this call too, but my favorite co-host, Dan the Man Duran. What's up, Dan? Well, again, uh, she said it. She said it. And it's going all over the world. I am the favorite co-host, okay? (laughs) Don't be mad, John. Don't be mad. That's right. Look, I am so excited. Uh, You know, my my kind of closing comment often is keep learning, right? Keep learning, keep learning, keep learning. Odds are, if you've been out there learning about fitness in our industry, uh, education, whether it's a book you read, a compilation of subject matter experts, a course you took, there's a real good chance that our guest had something to do with putting that together. So uh, I am really, really excited to have Pete here today uh, as a subject matter expert on many, many topics who I assure you at some point, you've seen something or read something that Pete had a part of. Absolutely. Yes, we have with us today, Pete McCall, who's the National Director of Fitness Education for, is it EOS or EOS? I hear it both ways. We pronounce it EOS Fitness. Thank you. No, we, we pronounce it EOS Fitness. And, and Jenny and Dan, thank you so much for having me on. I'm, I'm really super excited about this and I'm looking forward to the conversation. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Yes, as a self-proclaimed nerd. So when I yell out nerd throughout randomly throughout our podcast today, it's not meant to be derogatory or bad. It is actually a good thing. Push your glasses up, show us your teeth. We got this. <laughs> uh, but education is huge for me, for everyone here at ISA, because that's literally what we do. Um, you should always be learning, as Dan talks about. Um, and there's never, you, you never stop learning. There's so much out there to know, and we don't know what we don't know. But if you stop looking, then you're kind of dead in the water. Um, so thank you so much for joining us. Welcome. Well, you just said it. I mean, if we if we stop learning, then we're dead in the water. So I think we're done. Boom. Thank you, guys. It's been a great conversation. <laughs> no, but, but not. But to your point, I mean, that was one of the things I learned early on, and I've, I've been doing this for a long time. I, I first got certified when the years had a one and a nine in them. So that, that's going back. <laughs> uh, that's going, I, I realized, but no, I, I thought about this, right? I, I was a trainer in the 90s, in the 2000s, 2010s, and now 2020s. That spans four decades. So even though, I mean, I was thinking about, who was it? The, the basketball player, Vince Carter, retired about a year yeah. ago, and he had played in 90, he had played in all four decades. And so it kind of occurred to me, that as that's my fitness career spans about the same length of time and what i learned early on where i'm going with that what i learned early on as a personal trainer as a young let's just say very self-confident personal trainer my mid-20s it was that i only knew a little bit about about exercise and a little bit about how exercise affected the body and that started me on a journey that's been going on now for more than 20 years of wanting to learn more of, of understanding that you know even when you start and i think you can agree jenny that once you learn something, once you learn a little bit, you're like, oh, I didn't realize what I didn't know. Yes. And so, boop, down the rabbit hole you go. And then, well, you know, <laughs> and, like being and, a whole bookshelf about it. <laughs> yep, well, exactly. Being that we're going back four decades, you put it out there. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I'm, 
I would love it if you could share with our listeners, Pete, a little bit about your journey, uh, you know, and how you got from a, a self-confident trainer in the 90s to where you are now, a very well-known and widely recognized expert on fitness. Well, it's, it's always nice when, when people say that, so thank you. But really, well, it started uh, probably in uh, December of 2 of 1971. My mom and dad went out to Ditno. Um, that's going back a little bit too far in the history. I was born in August of 72, so I figured back it up nine months if you really want to go back to the prehistory. Um, but, but in all seriousness, no, when I, when I look at it is I, I kind of fell into fitness um, accidentally where I, as a young, when I graduated college, I studied, I, I was very interested in fitness, but in the early 90s, I graduated high school in 1990, I graduated college in 1994, there was no, there was no personal training industry in the early 1990s. I think, Dan, you can agree with me, yeah. and Jenny, I'm not going to, I know Dan and I are about the same age, so I'm not going to guess, but in, in the late was 80s. just a baby in the early 90s. Yeah, but, but, <laughs> late, but, but in all seriousness, in the late 80s and early 90s, the only personal trainers were like with Cher, Sylvester Stallone, like you would hear about Hollywood celebrities getting a personal trainer, but it really wasn't a thing until the late 90s. And it wasn't until, and I was working, I graduated from college, I was working in Washington, D.C., I was doing political stuff, I was doing like, I'd worked on Capitol Hill for a little while, I did a couple, I was working in a job off Capitol Hill, a political job, and I was, and I, as a young 20-something working in politics in D.C., you don't make much money. So you either have most of them either you either are a bartender or a waiter or you have some kind of second job. And since I was playing rugby and I lived at the gym most of the time anyway, I started working the front desk at a gym just to get a free membership and and to be 100 percent honest to meet women. And that's where my ex-wife. Um, but when, when you look at it, when I would look at it, but it was in my mid 20s, I was like, OK, I get a free membership. But when I was working there, I realized I'm like, I met the, got to know the other personal trainers. I got to know the instructors. I was like, wait a minute, you guys do this full time. Why am I wearing a shirt and tie? Why am I sitting in an office that I'm just, I don't like, that's not fun when this is what I really love to do. When I love to exercise, I love to sweat. I was playing on one of the most competitive rugby teams in the country at the time. So fitness was a little component of that. And it really was, it was like, wait, I can do this. And, and that's when I got my first certification in 1998. I learned how to be an instructor, um, learned how to teach group fitness classes. And it was a few years later when, when they were looking for educators. I was working at the time for Town Sports International, which has gone through a couple of evolutions. And I think it's a, it's, it still exists, but it's a different company now. But at the time, in the, in the, in the early 2000s, we were growing so much that we needed educators to teach other personal trainers. And what I found, and this is for all personal trainers out there, what I found is the more I learned, the more I wanted to learn. And the other thing I learned, and I think both you guys can attest to this, is that as an educator, teaching others is one of the best ways to learn yourself. So mm -hmm. selfishly, that is what got me into teaching is because I wanted to learn more. And so if I were responsible for teaching other personal trainers, it forced me to dig in a little bit deeper um, to understand a little bit more. And, and Dan, you know this well. I mean, it, I was a personal trainer in the early 2000s before social media before everything now. And I basically lived on PT on the net. Um, I was one of those people that every, I would like refresh that every week, any new articles out there, I would just download them and read them. And I was probably, I probably read the entire library of PT on the net when that was the thing in the mid two thousands. So it, over the course of my career, I went from educating other personal trainers for a large health club company. 
Um, I got a master's degree. I went through the NASM program through California University of Pennsylvania because mm-hmm. at the time I was teaching the NASM CPT for TSI. That's what they that's what they picked me for was to teach internally the CPT program, and I did that in the mid two thousands. And that's what I recommend. And I'm going to pause here for a second for anybody listening. If you want to make that change from from a personal trainer to an educator, that's where being a part of a big company is a major resource because they have those opportunities for you. Yeah. And that's where, where if you're an independent personal trainer or you're working in a studio, you may not have that same access or that same ability. So that's one of the big benefits right there of being with a larger company is you have career opportunities that just aren't present in other sectors of the industry. And so for, and I say that because what, what I would always, it, it entertains me is like you hear personal trainers talk about, I don't want to work for that company. It's too quote unquote corporate. Yeah. Well, all a corporation does is it has a certain structure and organization. Yeah. So you, you can do things efficiently. Corporations help us be more efficient, right? And if you're a personal trainer that wants to have a very diverse, challenging career, I really highly recommend working for a larger corporation to get those opportunities. Because working for working for Town Sports, I left there, became a director of education um, for a company that was later sold to Equinox. And I left there and went to work for the American Council on Exercise. So within 10 years, I got my certification in 98. And in 2008, I went to work for the American Council on Exercise. So within 10 years, I went from working the front desk to going to work for one of the certifications. Honestly, when I look back at it, I'm not sure how I did it. <laughs> I really don't. Um, but one of the things that I did is I went to so many live events, any education conference that came within 90 to 120 miles of Washington, D.C. When I lived there, I would go. And when I was living in Boston, working for the, as a director of education, anything that came within the stone's throw of Boston, I would go. So the point is, if you want to expand your career, if you want to enhance your career, the best thing you can do is go to workshops, meet other personal trainers, go to conferences, meet industry leaders, and let them know you're interested in doing more. Because that is what opened the door for me. That's what I know has opened the door for so many other people that work at this level that are educators. John Bauer, who I know is working with you as a, as a content developer, is another example of that. I think John is where he is today because John's followed the same, um, the same process, and he's a great example of that. So that just – and so now – I actually left the American Council and Exercise. I was a freelancer for a number of years. I was also a stay-at-home dad for a number of those years. So my kids were very young, and my ex worked in law enforcement. So she she was the, the quote-unquote nine-to-five, and I had that variable schedule. But I got to work with Nautilus and Stairmaster. And, and here's the fun thing, and this is for listeners, and I'll turn it back to you guys. Somehow, I mean, the, the last time Dan and I were live together was 2019 or 2018. We were in China. We were in Shanghai. Yeah, we were at Idea China. Yeah, it was the idea of China. It wasn't in 2019. But, but all of a sudden, I mean, I say that because, Dan, you and I met in China. I, yeah. I, have, I have a work visa for China. I was going in and out of there so much representing Stairmaster and Nautilus. So I have, my work visa is good for another three years. If you had told me as a, front de- as a 20-something-year-old front desk employee that within 20 years, I'd be flying to China, Brazil, Mexico, and speaking about fitness, representing Nautilus and Stairmaster around the country, around the world, you would have blown my mind. There would have been no way. Honestly, I just, it's like, how did that happen? So when this opportunity at EOS Fitness came up to be director of education and help develop the next generation of personal trainers, that's what I want to do. It was like, okay, I've done the travel stuff. That's cool. I've done some other things. But I really, I want, I mean, I think this is why you guys are where you are, is you see, you see the opportunity to give back and help, help make our industry stronger, better, 
and, and, and try to attract better talent to it. So we can all try to, the way I look at it is, is a rising tide raises all boats. And, and I just want to play the role that I can within this organization. Welcome back for another ISSA Rapid Review. Curtis McKellar had this to say about our certified personal training course. The study at your own pace model is perfectly suited for the times we live in. Thank you, ISSA. No, Curtis, thank you. I yeah. love it. We, we, I was actually in a meeting yesterday and the topic was, why are you in the role that you're in? What motivates you to be in a leadership role? Um, and I tied it back and this will tie into two things. Uh, your wife, your ex-wife being in law enforcement, that's where I started my training career. And the reason I wanted to become a, a, a trainer and eventually run our police academy was because I felt like I, if I was one person out in the field, I had X amount of impact. But if I could onboard train 40, 50 people a year and or more uh, to be safe and to be effective, then I've leveraged my time and made a bigger impact. And I feel like I've been able to contribute more. And that's exactly why what you just said, why we do what we do at fitness. If we were out training, we could train maybe 30 clients or a group of athletes and 20, 30 clients. But if you have the ability to have a, a, the leverage to help those more instructors, more personal trainers who each have 20, 30 clients, we're truly yeah. trying our very best to save the world through fitness. And yeah. I love that. I love that. Now, question. Mm -hmm. When we, we talk about continuing education and keep on learning and keep sharpening your saw and all these different ways of saying, uh, you know, when you think you've got to figure it out, change jobs because you don't. What would you recommend that our, our listeners out there, if they have choices on what to invest in, what, are you, what do you feel are some, some good topics or uh, things that they can wrap their head around and understand better to be more effective with their clientele and uh, in their business? That's a, I love that question because and that this is something where I think it's really important to take a critical look at, at what you're doing in your job right now. And also look at your demographic of who comes to your club or, or who you're around. And there's a quote from Ben Franklin, and I'm, I'm going to get it wrong, but Ben Franklin said something along the lines of, if you take a few pennies and invest it in your education or invest it in your mind, you get a significant return. That's some of the best investment you can make. And that's going back 230, 240 years. Right now, looking at the, the demographics, what I would recommend to any personal trainer is who do you want to work with? Who do you who do you enjoy helping? Like for example, with your with your background in law enforcement, Dan, you now have a tact you have in the last 20 years. I mean, 20 years ago, tactical strength and conditioning did not exist. And now it's a whole field of working with fire, law enforcement, military, first responders. And so it would be asking that personal trainer, and this is something I recommend to new personal trainers, spend the first two or three years as a generalist. Try to, you know, try to figure out what type of clients you like to work with. Do you like to work with young mothers? Do you like to work with older adults? Do you like to work with recreational athletes? Do you like to work with teen athletes? Who do you like to work with? And then as you develop that, then you would go get a specialization. You'd go get a sports conditioning specialization. For example, if you want to work with teen athletes, say you want to work with, with, with people who are overweight and need, need severe help with losing weight and getting to a healthy, you know, healthy body weight, that's where you might do a nutrition or, or a health coaching course or some type of way to help engage people. And then obviously, if you live in certain markets where you have a, a, a large demographic of people over the age of 60, get a senior fitness specialist. 
because goodness gracious, I, I mean, who would I rather train somebody over the age of 60 or somebody in their 20s? I would much rather train somebody in their 60s any day because number one, they're going to show up and be they're going to show up and be committed sure. to their appointment. Number two, they have the disposable income. And for people over the age of 45, fit, you know, 40, 45, 50, fitness, regular exercise is probably the most important thing they can do for their health care. And that really is. And so and I say that because when I look at training people under the age of 35, everybody's in it for aesthetics and looking better, which is great, which is awesome. But if you really want to have impact, really look at, at that population of how can you help them change their life? How can you help them improve their health? Not only improve their fitness, because great, you, you, you look ripped on, on Instagram. Great. That, that's good. But how can you really change lives? And so that's what I would really coach people to look at. Look at like nutrition, health coaching, like behavior change coaching. Look at those components of that. Those are the real critical skills that can apply to anybody and really, really would be what can elevate your career beyond what you ever expect. And it never hurts. Like, say you get all these different credentials and then you decide, you know what, seniors is where it's at for me. And you have all these other credentials. It's not going to hurt you to have those additional credentials. So, no, not at all. No. So and why it, not? Well, it just, it just means it gives you, here's the thing. It, it, we talk about tools in the toolbox. And I'm sure you guys refer to this all the time is any piece of education that you get is another tool in the toolbox. Yeah. It's a ratchet driver, it's a flathead, it's a Phillips, whatever you need, because you need specific tools for specific needs. That's awesome. Yeah, so first of all, I wanna take it back. So I feel like politics is that relationship you have before you find the one, because I know a lot of people who start in politics and then they're like, no, this is my passion. And then they like, for the rest of their life, they live with whatever comes next. Yeah. Like, so, so good for you. You're not the first that I've heard that one from my fiance started yeah. in politics and now he's because they actually do want to help people. Oh, yeah. did I say that? I don't know. <laughs> no, no, I realized no, that this is no, not he, what I thought it was. No, but Dan, <laughs> here's the thing. The, the, there's a famous saying in Washington. I came to Washington to do good and I ended up doing well because you, people move to Washington. I mean, but I'm serious. People, people have the best intention when they move to DC. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. I don't care. It doesn't matter who you vote for. Nobody moves to, to D.C. to work in the government to make government worse. I, I, you know, having grown up with people who work for the federal government and having had family members who had entire careers with the federal government, nobody works to, for the federal government to make it worse. But it's such a multi-level Leviathan that really it is very, very difficult to execute things and get them done. So we end up with what we got now, which money drives everything and yada, yada, yada. So you see that you go there with the intent of doing well. And you have two options. Either you leave and get out and go do something else, or you go after the dollar and you stay there and your career is there. That's, I didn't want that option. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're grateful. <laughs> I know, right? The industry is Thank grateful. You. So another thing too, you, um, I know there's people out there listening to what you, where you came from and your background working with ACE and working with NASM and all these other companies. People, There's people out there who are like, oh, this is ISSA. Why are they talking about all the, these other certifications? Guys, the biggest thing that I want to stress is education comes from everywhere. You can't just get it all from one source. Dan is from PTA Global. Like that's, well, among other places, that's where he last came from. I used to work for NASM. Our CEO of ISSA used to work for NASM. We all have credentials from all over the place. Um, so to say that you only want to get certifications or we should only be talking about ISSA products, you are closing yourself out. Hashtag the more you know. Hashtag expand yourself. Like it goes on, right? So open your mind. The fact that ISSA or no one company has everything that you want or need to know. So you have to go look for it elsewhere. You have to take it upon yourself. Um, but speaking of that, Pete, 
why do there's so many fitness professionals out there who are like, I want to continue my education. I want to learn more, but why do we need our continuing education? Like what's, why do we need it? Because uh, we, things change. We, we, we learn new things. We, we develop, we develop a better understanding of how the body's designed to function. Right. I mean, I, I don't, the thing that always pops to mind was a, a number of years ago, you, you had people start doing the hip thrust, the barbell hip thrust, right? Mm-hmm. You, and, and you had people, you, all of a sudden that became the big popular exercise. Brett Contreras yeah. kind of is, is credited with developing it and making it popular. And you had a number of fitness models doing it and, and everything. So all of a sudden the barbell hip thrust became this huge exercise that it's like, is there really, is there really benefit for that? But the interesting thing is Brett, Brett who, who did the research on, the, on the, the barbell hip thrust, found that as a better force vector for sprinting, you know, there's been a couple of studies now that compare the force vector of the hip thrust to the squat and the deadlift. And it shows that the way the joint angle of, of the posterior drive from the glute is more effective for sprinting, the hip thrust is, than a squat. You know, because squat, you press the force straight down into the ground. The hip thrust, you have a, a, an anterior force production because it's a posterior chain doing the work. And so therefore the research is validated that the hip thrust is actually a very good biomechanical exercise. And then say, for example, you take that and you look at the way the pelvis rotates on the hip thrust, which is normal. Then you compare it to like a leg press where the pelvis doesn't rotate the way it's supposed to between the sacrum and and the femurs during normal movement. I would take for anybody with any type of low back issue, I'd immediately remove the leg press from my option and have them on a barbell hip thrust because it's going to put more load in. So that's where research can really play an important role and education can play an important role because it's, it's designed to change your mind. So now when I look at the hip thrust, whereas three or four years ago, I would have dismissed it as just a, a glorified Instagram exercise. Mm-hmm. Now I see it as a critical component of anybody, anybody with any knee issues, low back issues. If you want lower body strength, the hip thrust would be one of my first choices uh, of exercise. So that's just, I mean, the whole point of education is to develop a better understanding of, of how the body functions. And that's, that, to me, that's, that's why we need to go and do our con ed is so we go, oh, we understand, we have a better level of understanding now, and this is how we can use it with our clients. Absolutely. Funny you mentioned the hip thrust machine, because I totally use that this morning. Gold star for me, right? I used it this morning, the booty builder one. My gym just got one. We, had, we didn't have one for the longest time, but they actually removed a leg press to put one in there. Um, and I know at EOS, I'm a, I'm a member, or I used to be anyway, um, and it's only because it's far from my house. That's why I still love it. <laughs> But, but at EOS, every single one that I've ever been into has a machine for that. And then, of course, they have the barbell set up where you can do that as well. So, like, you guys have done a lot to, to make sure that you guys are up to date. And I love that. That's one thing I love about EOS. You guys are one of the first companies to have a, a true functional area in every single facility that you have. Um, and now places like LA Fitness and some other places are starting to put in functional areas to simulate what you guys have done. Um, so it shows in everything that you're working with right now. Well, well thank you. And, and one thing I want to mention on that, though, is I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to go back to my formal role as an educator for Nautilus. And this because this is a fascinating story that hasn't been told yet. And, and Dan, you know, Jeff Dilts quite well. And Jeff would be a great conversation to have on this on this podcast to talk about the process of developing equipment. So take take. Take the Nautilus glute drive, and I know that's a different product than the booty builder you just you just talked about. But at Nautilus, we were getting feedback from the large, like LA Fitness, twenty four hour fitness, and all the large companies that they needed a hip thrust solution because members were getting in fights on the fitness floor because all the women were taking the barbells away from the bench press and going oh, no. and doing the hip thrust in another part of the gym. 
And so the operators, the club operators were coming to the equipment company saying, hey, we need a solution because we're having people fight over barbells in our gyms. And at the same time, Pete Holman created the, the Nautilus glute drive and boom, Nautilus licensed it and took it to market. And so within, within a span of 24 months, and literally it happened that fast, it went the glute drive, the Nautilus glute drive, it was, I think it was faster than that, it might've been 12 or 18 months, but it went from a concept created by Pete Holman to a finished product that we we're dropping off at the large big box retailers. So that really, again, shows that just the, the, what knowledge and what understanding education can do. And now when you go into facilities, I think the 124-hour fitness near my house has like three or four Nautilus glute drives. And yes, I work for Yost Fitness and I have a membership of 24-hour fitness because there are so many locations everywhere and I want to have access. And we all know that in, in California, sometimes you get stuck on the freeway. And if I can look in the app and see, but I'm serious, if I can look in the app and see there's a 24 off the next exit, boom, I'd rather go get a workout in and sit in my car, not moving for 30 minutes. Absolutely. And sometimes you just don't want to be recognized, right? <laughs> sometimes I don't want to be on the clock and I just want to work out like anybody else. Yep, agreed with that. I used to wear Orange Theory and I, I would do the workouts, but most of the time I would go somewhere else. And people are like, why are you at LA Fitness? You work in a gym. I was like, because sometimes I just don't want to be in there. <laughs> you want to have your earbuds in, you want to do your thing and get in, get out. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. So there's a lot of science behind a lot of this stuff. And that's your, I think you're absolutely right. There is science that goes into the machines that are made, the angles that they're at, like why some of them move and some of them don't like, there's so much that goes in so much more that goes into it than what people think. It's not just the sell stuff. Um, now bringing it back to actually becoming an, an authority in education and teaching. Um, what are some good skills that people should work to master if they want to become an educational content presenter or an authority in a certain aspect of fitness? What are some skills that they need to master? I love that because that's such a good question. And when you look at it, one of the, if anybody wants to be an educator, one of the first skills you have to develop is public speaking. But here in the fitness industry, that's easy. Teach group fitness teach group fitness if you can get a room full of 20 adults to jump when you say jump then <laughs> then then literally going and giving a talk is relatively easy but i'm serious it's it's, it's if, if you cannot lead a group fitness class for 45 or 50 minutes you have no business even thinking about trying to be an educator or trying to be a presenter and i'm just going to be that blunt because if you cannot engage a, a group of people who want to exercise if you cannot engage them and lead them through a workout, there is absolutely no way you can be successful at leading a workshop or teaching an education event. So anybody out there who has any inkling at all of being an educator or master trainer or presenter, start teaching group fitness. I mean, that's just because that is public speaking 101. And yeah. I used to teach, and, and here's the thing, my ex-wife, when we were dating, she was a group fitness coordinator for our health clubs. So guess she taught me how to teach group fitness classes so that that way, if somebody didn't show up at the last minute, guess who got thrown in to teach classes. And, but, but in all honesty, that was, I've, I have so much respect for her because she, she got me out of my comfort zone and forced me to do that. And I would not have the career I have. And I, I credit her with that because I would not have the career I, I have if she had not encouraged me, I forced me, if she had not encouraged me. To get out there and, and do group fitness because she but, voluntold but, you. What's that? <laughs> she voluntold you. I've never, I love that. Voluntold. I love yeah. that. I'm not You've been voluntold. I've been voluntold. <laughs> That's what she would do. She's like, hey, so and so can't teach at six o'clock tonight. Do you have any clients? Uh, you're teaching. Oh, okay. <laughs> but, but 
what it did was it forced me. And, and did I have people walk out of my classes? Absolutely. Did I have people tell me I wasn't good or they, that they wanted a regular instructor when I subbed? Yes. But you know what? Every class got a little bit better. And mm-hmm. every time you get a little bit better. And then we do start speaking. And I say this for, for anybody. If you're in a workshop and there's something that you didn't like about the speaker or there's something that really didn't resonate with you, write about it. Do Write a review about it. Let people know that maybe the speaker was too fast. Maybe the, the speaker went, went was too, over your head. Whatever it was, because what I look for as a speaker is I look for that critical feedback. It's all well and good to say, yeah, you did a great job. And that's nice and all. But I want to know, did, did I go over somebody's head? Did somebody not connect with me? Did I not connect? You know what I mean? Because giving people, if you're in the audience and there's something that just like, there's something I don't like about the speaker, whatever it is, write it down and be constructive about it. Don't do it. Yeah. Don't, you don't need to be a jerk about it. Just say, hey, this was too fast or you're too technical or whatever it was, because that's the stuff that makes, makes person. I look at that's what makes me better is I want to work on my weaknesses as a speaker. So I say that. So when you, you do get into that role of being an educator, take your evaluations, read them and apply them. If somebody says you need to slow down, just slow down. If somebody says you need to speak at a level where everybody can understand, speak at a level where everybody can understand. Listen to the feedback and apply it. That that's that that right there is if you I mean I think Dan you can agree. If you do that, then you, you keep getting hired. I mean that that's really what it is, right? I mean everything in this job is freelance. If you show up on time, if you show up prepared, you listen to feedback and you apply feedback you keep getting asked to do, do more jobs. They keep, yeah. and eventually- Yeah, it evolves. It evolves just like everything, right? The way you started when you first started speaking, like you said, your group fitness classes, you don't speak the same. It doesn't look the same. It doesn't sound the same now. No. Um, that's a, I never even thought about it like that. That's a great point. But I actually did my very first presentation at um, Idea PTI a couple months ago when I went with John to Alexandria, oh, wow. Virginia. Oh, that's so, right. We did yeah. meet there. Jenny, we yeah. met there briefly. I'm so Yeah, sorry. briefly at the table. And that oh, was my that God. was my first presentation though, Pete, oh, like ever. Was it? And the and first how, thing I, feel? I did how, how awesome. Feel? I loved it. And the yeah, first time I put awesome. the mic on, I was like, oh my gosh, it's like, it's like I'm teaching Orange Theory all over again. Like it, was, but, it felt natural because I did that but, for three years. Yeah, but say, but you had the mic experience at Orange Theory. And if you- yeah. And if you can engage a group of people at Orange Theory to get them rocking for 50 minutes in their workout, then standing in front of a room full of personal trainers to, just, to deliver a lecture is a piece of cake. Jenny, I apologize for not recognizing you. I mean, you're you're in a little two. My inch, hair was you're, curly then. Well, you're, you're, you're a two inch little two dimension. You're in a two inch two dimensional screen where you and I met live. And yeah, I I apologize for not recognizing you. So no, I'm you're, so sorry you're about that. So I'm so sorry about that. I just yeah no I I, I didn't con- I didn't. I didn't put two and two together, so I, I do apologize about that. Because you're not standing next to her. I, that's, I, I haven't met Jenny in person yet, but from what I understand, she's uh, about six feet tall or close to it. Uh, so if I see you live and, and not on a two-inch screen, I definitely would have recognized you. I, 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 I do, yeah. Anyway, yes, I, I am not what I, you call a small human, so. No, no, but, but the reason why I say that is because sometimes, you know, I've met people before where they've introduced themselves to me three or four times. And it's like, yeah, I met you two months ago. And, and so it's always like, I, I feel, it's always like, do you not, do I not leave that impression? So I'm, I'm utterly, I'm horribly embarrassed when I, when I don't recall somebody. I, I just, I, I apologize. I'm, I'm no, you're and, and, that, and that's a political training, right? That's a political training is I should remember those names. All good. Now, so that's presentations. Cause what about writing Pete? I know, so you do a lot of writing as well. Um, what kind of skills should somebody get to improve their writing? 
they have to uh, learn how to do it, right? Right. Yeah. No. Right. I mean, that, that's uh, that's basically. I mean, right is, is basically the only thing. And here's the thing with with the advent of blogs nowadays, just practice writing. Just write. Throw things up there. You know, be, have it be relevant, be poignant, and be be pertinent, and, and be concise. I mean, mm. what I I as a I've never I haven't taken a formal writing class for years since I was, probably was in college. And I, I love my editors, the editors I've worked with over the years. I would not be writing again if I didn't listen to feedback, if I didn't ask questions, what do I need to do to get, to get better and, and, and be able to implement that. But for people who want to write, just start writing. Start whether it's for your own blog, whether it's doing it for free for your gym's blog or studio's blog, just practice writing because it's like anything else. You've got to get the repetitions. You've got to do it. And then it just was. Writing, writing blogs led to writing articles, writing articles led to getting, ultimately getting a book contract. And now I'm working, well, before I did the book contract, I, I wrote a couple of textbook chapters, one for an SM, one for ACE, um, you know, a couple others for a couple other like exercise science related textbooks. And then I got the contract with Human Kinetics to write smarter workouts. And now I'm on my third contract with Human Kinetics. I'm working on a book on recovery right now, recovery from exercise. Hopefully, if everything goes hopefully if everything goes well, I, I'll get it out by the end of the year. So, um, yeah. So that's so for people who want to write, just write, and then just just again, it comes down to ask for feedback and apply the feedback. You know that that really is, is what it is. So just and that's the other thing we're we're too working for a larger organization like a health pub company has benefits because you could talk to your your content person or your marketing team if you work for a health pub company. Talk to your marketing team. Say hey. Can I start writing some blogs? Can I start yeah. putting some fit tips up there? Can I start doing this? I mean, because that's how you get, number one, you get noticed. And if you do a good job of it, maybe that becomes part of your work. Now, maybe you get paid five to 10 hours a week for writing one or two blogs or doing a couple Instagram posts a week because you stepped up, you offered and provided that content and it was good content and, and people engaged and consumed it. Absolutely. Funny you say that because that's exactly how I started writing with ISS. I was in sales with NASM, but yeah. yeah, I started contracting writing blogs, two or three blogs a week. And then I said, hey, do you guys have a job open? And they said, you know what? We do. And then I've been here for two years and I absolutely love it and wouldn't change it for the world. Well, no, but that's, that's a perfect case in point, right? Is you, you, you stepped up, you said, what can I do? You, you did it. And then you, you said, what, what else can I do? And that's that, Jenny, that right there is so critically important is you told somebody what you wanted to do. Mm-hmm. That is, that's how I got from working the front desk to working for a certification within 10 years is I would go to a conference, I would meet somebody like Dan, I would meet Richard Boyd, I would meet you know, some of these people that were the early leaders in education, and I would say, I want to be an educator. Hey, how you doing? I'm Pete McCall, and I want to be an educator. That opened up doors. Be forward. Let people know what you want to do. Some people say that's manifesting it. Whatever. Just let people know what you're interested in and then when you get the opportunity, do a good job, be on time, be prepared and do what they t- ask you to do and, and listen to feedback. Love it. So good. These are life lessons here, folks. This is they really about are. making it. It's not just about, you know, becoming a speaker or a subject matter expert in fitness. So for the listeners out there, these are life lessons. And I'm going to add something. Uh, hopefully we would agree. And that is if you want to write well, you need to read, folks. Oh, yeah. Um, we are more and more migrating into watching videos uh, rather than turning pages. And mm-hmm. if you want to, you want to write well, you need to you need to read. 
but but that's so that's so so critical, Dan. I mean, we haven't. I, I host a podcast, which I, you know, I host a podcast, and I can't tell you sometimes the the atrocious letters I get from people who want to be on the podcast. And number one, they they, they start with the hey, yeah. hey Pete, I've never met you. If we're guiding <laughs> somebody for the first time, use dear Mister Durant, dear Miss Scott. If you don't have that, I'm not reading. If you say hey Pete, I'm not reading it. I don't care who you're from. Do proper, look up proper terminology. If you want to call me Boomer, call me Boomer. But this is formal letter writing communication skills. I mean, it's one-on-one. If you want me to consider something of what you wrote, you want me to consider you for being a guest on my podcast, look up how to write a business letter and do it properly. Because if you don't, to your point, Dan, reading, I I can't tell you. I mean, I read a lot now for research and I read a lot of, of, of textbooks and whatnot. But the more you read, the more you understand how to put words together and how you structure it and keep a dictionary nearby or, or look yeah. up. I mean, when I'm writing, I either have Merriam-Webster. I have Merriam-Webster up on my on my uh, computer all the time so I can look up synonyms. I can look up definitions. Am I using this word correctly? How do I contract this word? Does this, is this word the right word to use? Just you got to – I mean, it takes some work. You just don't throw words on a paper. You have to develop it and refine it. And to Dan's point, you're 100% right, man. Those are life lessons. Be on time, be prepared, listen, and apply. <laughs> Wait, I have the and ultimate question when it comes to writing, though. I have the ultimate question when it comes to writing, though, guys. Oxford comma or no Oxford comma? Whatever my editor says. You don't know what an Oxford comma is, first of all, listeners. You need to go go look it up. But I am all about the Oxford comma. <laughs> if you don't use Oxford comma, I'm not reading it. <laughs> I just, I, I, whatever my editor says to go with, I'm like, you know what? Right. So, so sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It depends on who I'm working with. It's becoming more socially acceptable. Depends on whether I want to listen to, to what, what, what Microsoft tells me. Like, no, you're not right. You're not right. It just doesn't look right. And again, it doesn't look right. How do you know what good writing looks like if you're not reading it? If it's all podcast and video, you don't know what good writing looks like. So anyway, that was quite no. the soapbox. But uh, Now you're 100% right. Good stuff. We so that kind of to my next question, though. So, should people be looking to leverage like online platforms, social media to post their content, whether it's video content, written content, or should they really be looking to get published and write books or put it in journals or present at live events? Because there's all these different ways to get education out there and to become an authority. But is there any one that you feel is more effective or more lucrative than the other? That's a good question. Uh, those are because those are two different outcomes, right? Do you want to do you want to be heard? Or do, you, do you want to be heard? Or do you want to make money? Um, do you want to make an income? But I'm serious. I mean, do you want to write something serious? Because I, I recognize the fact that that I'm not, uh, yeah, I'm not some huge you know celebrity and whatnot. And and one of the things I have thoroughly enjoyed about stepping into this role of director of education with EOS, I don't have to post content anymore. I'm not like I don't feel the need to to, to try to come up with these whatever cool little Instagram videos three or four times a week because I'm not selling myself. For yeah. the last number of years, as, as somebody who's an independent consultant, freelance personal trainer, writer, whatever, content producer, I was promoting my content. And I can't tell you how nice it is to not have to worry about, oh crap, I need to put something up on Instagram. What do I need to do? So that said, I understand that if you, under, if you know how to leverage Instagram correctly, that can be the most effective media for you. However, some people might not be able to do that. I'm not one of those people. I, I got much better at writing blogs and much better at communicating that way. And, and what scared me one time, it's been a couple of years since I've done this, but I did a search for my name on Pinterest 
and I mean, I was, it was, it was very flattering and overwhelming how many people had shared different blogs and different workouts I'd written or interviews I'd done nice. over the years. And it was, I mean, it was overwhelming, but very, it, it, it was gratifying to the point because you know, people are reading it. The one thing about posting, a, posting something on Instagram is you can look at your stats and see how many people consumed your content relatively easily. What I don't know with a blog, when I write a blog, if I wrote a blog for you guys, if I wrote a blog for somebody else, what I don't know is how many people consumed it. How, how yeah. wide was it read? What, you know, did it make a difference? You know, you, you put words on paper, you send it off and, and does it make a difference? And I think you can agree, Jenny, you've probably had people come up to you in an event and said, I really like what you, what you wrote, or I really appreciate what you write. And doesn't that feel good? I mean, don't you, don't you love that when that happens? Yeah, that happened to me at Idea PTI. Somebody came up and was quoting me from the podcast and then talking about a couple of blogs that I wrote. I was like, oh, this is weird. <laughs> but isn't it, I mean, but, but it lets you know that somebody's listening. Somebody yeah. is, is, is taking what I'm saying and listening. And to, and to me, in all honesty, that's the most flattering thing is, yes, it's nice. I mean, we need to all make money and be income. But when somebody takes a moment to say, hey, I like what you wrote, wrote or that meant something or I get an email, that to me, it just, that makes it worthwhile. It's like, and that makes those, those times when I'm banging my head against the wall, trying to figure out what the heck, how to articulate something while writing, it makes it worth it. That that's where the fun happens. Absolutely. I agree with that. Very true. It just shows you that, yeah, you're making a difference and that you are doing the things that you came to do, which all of us, like you said, we want to help people. Every single one of us gets into fitness to help people. Just like we go into politics to help people. But again, the relationship <laughs> before you find the one. <laughs> well, you go into it to do good and then you end up doing well. I'm following that one away. I like that. But well, I'm going to take voluntold because that was a good one. Yeah. And now that what I want to do too, too, because you, you said something a couple minutes ago, Jenny, which I want to circle back to. And that's, that's when I started out personal training in, in, the, in the late 90s, early 2000s. In the, I remember the year 2000, the Olympics were going on in Australia, and one of the other trainers and I at the, at the gym I was working at, we were going to do snatches. We were going to go through a phase of doing snatches and clean and jerks. Well, we didn't have a platform in our gym, and there were no platforms, Olympic platforms or lifting platforms in any gyms in downtown D.C., and this was 20 years ago. And now at the 24-hour fitness across the street from my house, I think there are eight platforms in there, and, and, and many of our EOS fitness locations at our EOS Fitness locations in Hawaiian Gardens, we have 10 platforms. At our location, EOS Fitness location in various parts of Arizona, we have eight to 10 platforms. And not only do we have platforms, but they're full. Not yeah. only are they full, oh, yeah. but they're 50% women. Whereas mm -hmm. 20 years ago, nobody was doing nobody was doing the Olympic lifts, the big barbell lifts in the gym. Now you can look in the gym. I can go to one of our gyms in, in, in one of our locations. And you have people there, you probably have people in their 30s and 40s doing clean and jerks and snatches and, and training like Olympic athletes because they have access to, to platforms. They have the turf, they have sleds, they have training rigs. And really the fitness world has changed in the last 20 years. And one of the coolest things about coming on board with EOS Fitness is we have one, I keep, I keep telling people, I want to go back in time to be my 30-year-old personal trainer self because I would love to be working on one of these fitness floors. I would love it that we have turf, we have all the, we have all the yeah. toys that anybody could use. And so I'm like, what am I doing in the corporate office? Why don't I put the trainer shirt back on and get back out there and start grinding away? You know, because we have Make so that many like your once a month thing, once a month. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but you're right. Like I, I was laughing to somebody at the gym the other day. It was in LA Fitness, mind you. But yeah, there was 
four platforms there and there was people waiting. Like I was at the Smith machine across from it. Yes, I use the Smith machine to warm up. Don't come for me. But <laughs> um, but uh, there's a guy waiting. He's like, hey, are you guys waiting? And I was like, no, but it reminds me of beach volleyball. When you're on the court next, you take off your flip-flop and you leave it by the pole and you're like, I got next, right? I was like, I think you might need to leave your shoe out here and just be like, I got next and then come back. <laughs> I like that. I didn't know that. I mean, I'm thinking about the old quarter on the video game going back to the early I was thinking the quarter on the pool table. Yeah, yeah, yeah same but, thing, yeah, yeah. <laughs> We have to have like a little system here where you come in, you get a token. <laughs> I forgot yeah. about the video games. That's that's right. Yeah. We're coming up with all kinds of ideas today, guys. Okay. Yeah, folks, we used to drop a quarter in and play a video game for the listeners out there. Uh, now it's like four quarters twice. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go pay your cash and get the swipe card. No, it's yeah. actually that's that's one of the things I can't. I, I'm I'm looking to buy an old one of those video. They, they're actually not old. They have new ones now where they have all the '80s video games loaded onto it so you can get like that was always wasn't that the dream when we were yes. kids in the 80s the oh, dream? Gosh, yeah. when you're it a kid like in the, 80s, the cool yeah the coolest thing was to have an, the coolest thing was somebody had an arcade game in their home. oh yeah in the next year or two i'm gonna buy an arcade game for my place just because i'm like i've always wanted one and so anyway it's gonna end up being an expensive close yeah That's defender it. centipede I never got into Donkey Kong, but that was nah, a big but, one. But, we yeah, have that, one of those guys, so it's the little tiny thing that has like all like ten yeah, old yeah. school games, not like the same. entire games on it. Same. Have one, and we only break it out when my fifteen-year-old nephew comes over. But yeah, we have the one that has Donkey Kong on it, and it is Ooh. legit. It's yeah. You gotta have the big ball you spin. And yeah. <laughs> Isn't that Sega? Was that <laughs> oh Sega? my gosh! How did we get here? <laughs> no, but, <laughs> Rabbit hole. <laughs> but 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 here's the thing, because when you look at that though, the, the arcades of the '80s though have kind of turned into the gyms now. Because when you look at it, and one of the things that's very interesting to me is, again, whether I go to 24-Hour Fitness, whether I go to EOS Fitness, and I'm sure LA Fitness is the same, one of the cool things is that there are so many more teenagers in there now than mm -hmm. there were once upon a time, right? It is, and I think people are coming to, the fit, coming to fitness sooner. Whatever drives them, I'm not sure, but we're getting people coming into the fitness at 15, 16 years old, whereas before, you know, 20, 30 years ago, you wouldn't see people that age in the gyms as much yeah. you, you would see yeah. some but not as frequently now you see it a lot more and partly because a memberships are a little bit more affordable the cost of health clubs have come down thanks to competition and number two it, it becomes people understand the role that fitness plays in health and overall quality of life yeah, yeah. and i mean look at the explosion of like youth sports and competitive sports and stuff like these kids need to be in better shape in order to play i think the, the the addition of the technology and screens and gamification um, as well for, for, for the newer generation, no doubt. Well, one of the things that's really interesting to me here at, at EOS Fitness is we actually have a product called um, VR Black Box or Black Box VR, virtual reality, where in our newer clubs, we are actually putting in, it's really cool. It's like they're, they're four little, they're a little bit bigger than the old school phone booth. And I'm not even going to try to describe what that is for some listeners, but these, <laughs> these rooms are like, maybe they're about four to six feet wide and about 10 feet in depth. And they're hooked up to a cable machine and you play a virtual reality game. It's virtual reality fitness. And it's a really cool experience. It's about a 25 minute workout. You sweat buckets. And it's just, it's one of those additional membership um, add-ons that we make available at EOS Fitness. And I look at it as where my preference personally might be to go grab a kettlebell or push a sled or do something like that. It's not about me. It's about creating that experience for the consumer and engaging them on their level. And so Stuff mm -hmm. like virtual reality, whereas for, with my gray hair, it might not be my choice of fitness, but for that next generation of consumers who are born after the year 2000, they're going to be expecting virtual reality when they come into mm -hmm. the gym. And if gyms don't have a virtual reality solution, 
they're going to be they're they're going to need to add one at some point. So that's one of the cool things about being on board a company like this is we, we're trying to look ahead to where fit. We're not looking at where fitness is is now. We're not looking at where fitness is today. Is we're trying to identify where we're going to be in five to seven years so we can plan for that and, and be ahead of the curve. When you figure it out, come find me in the cardio theater. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah That's the first place I, I always check to find out what the movie is that week. <laughs> well, it's but but when you think about it, and I know we got to wrap it up here, but when you think about it, what I love about the cardio theater and what we do at EOS Fitness is we have in most of our clubs, we have something called cardio theater where it's a dark room, you're playing a movie, it's like a 90 minute to two hour long feature movie. But we do that on purpose because that's for our larger members, for our heavier members that might be a little self-conscious about being on their traditional gym floor where you're out among everybody and, and the bright lights and the noise and whatever. The cardio theater is quieter. We usually have, what, about 12 to 20 you know, mm -hmm. pieces of equipment in there. So you can walk. You can do your cardio. It's darker. People are watching the movie. They're not paying attention to who's on what piece of equipment. And, and I love it because it's such an engaging way to get somebody moving who might not otherwise join a gym. And, and so for me, that I, I love, I can't tell you how motivated and how, how stoked I get. When I see somebody who's, who obviously looks like they haven't exercised in a long time, when I see people like that join the gym, I just makes my heart sing because though, that's why we do, that's why all of us do what we do, right? Yeah. Is we wanna yeah. see people have the opportunity to try to do something a little bit better. And, and what I wanna do is be able to educate our team so they can work with people like that and help move the level so they can move the bar and move towards a better health. Love it. That was a perfect summary right there, Pete. Thank you for reminding us why we're in it, why we need to keep learning, uh, why we need to look ahead, why we need to keep an open mind. Um, the exercise for you is the one you will do. So don't, don't look at them through your glasses. Keep an open mind and understand if people are moving, they're doing the right thing. Um, we've got to wrap up now. So what would be helpful to our listeners is to know how to find you or follow you or learn from you. Well, what I want to say, what I, what I want to say though, is with, with, with people that have earned the ISSA personal trainer certification, if you are looking for a place to work, please come visit Yotes Fitness. By all means, please, we, we, we will interview you. We'll consider you because if you went through, if you went through the time and you made the commitment to earn your ISSA certification, we want, to, we want to see if you're right for us. We want to see if you, if you can contribute to our, to our team and contribute, can help our members. And we provide you, you've heard us talking about some of the equipment we have and some of the space we have. So it's not about me. I'm just a conduit for, for the organization. But I would really encourage anybody, our markets are Phoenix, Salt Lake City, Southern California. We go from, Cal, we go from Los Angeles down to San Diego. We're in Florida. We're getting ready to open three new gyms in the Tampa area. One new gym in, in near the Fort Lauderdale Coral Springs area. Um, we're going to be expanding in one or two different states this year. Uh, and so we have currently we're at 66 clubs. I think we'll be at 70 by the end of May. And we are really on a growth. We're, we're on a huge growth spurt right now. So for anybody who's earned the ISSA personal trainer certification, please come visit EOSFitness.com and see if we're the right spot where you can have your career. Because you get people, you get a whole team of people like me who are here to support you. I want to see you thrive and grow. And I would love to have you come on board and help our members change their lives. So that, that's, like you said, that's why we do what we do. So I really appreciate the opportunity to, to share that message. Very cool. There you go, guys. We got you at least in an interview. Don't say we never got you anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> I love it. 
But then, do you still have social media, Pete? Is there somewhere where people? Yeah, I do. Well, I, 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 well, thank you. I do. I do. We have Go EOS Fit on Instagram, so we have Go EOS Fit, G O EOS Fit on Instagram, and that's how you can see what we're, we're doing in, in our brand of fitness at EOS. And then personally, I do. I, I host the All About Fitness podcast. And Dan, I want to have you on to talk about what ISSA is doing and how you guys have evolved. So I'll circle back and follow up with you about that. And I, because I do try to talk to industry leaders. Like my most recent podcast is with Adam Sedlak, the CEO of UFC Gyms. So I not only like to talk to researchers and, and people who do the research, but I also like to talk to industry executives. So for me, it's all about fitness podcasts on Instagram. And then my personal website and blog is PeteMcCallFitness.com. So, but it's really, it's, I'm here to support the team at EOS. And I, and I really, I would love to see ISSA personal trainers working with us because I know we have what it takes to make your career sing. And, and it would be great to have you on our team. Awesome. Yay. Take us home, Jenny. Listeners, you know where to go. You know where to apply. Absolutely. Well, this podcast was all about education. So this is right up our alley. Always be learning. Always be educating yourself. Continue to, even once you get to where you think you want to be, continue to expand because you never know that next step might be around that next corner and you better be prepared for it. Um, Be prepared to jump at it. And like Pete said, tell people what you want to do right? If you think you know what you want to do, tell people, let them know, put it out there. Um, and you'd be surprised the people that you come across that can help get you there. Um, I do it all the time with my athletes. Oh, I want to do this. I'm like, sweet, came to the right person. Um, so thank you so much for sharing this uh, with us. And I love everything you're talking about. You kind of summed up my journey to where I am now as a content developer in, in your talk um, today. And you, everybody starts somewhere. And sometimes you might find something you're completely passionate about without even knowing, um, and then hopefully be ready to take it by the horns and, and run with it. So I love it. Any last words out of you, Dan? Nothing. And you know why? He's what speechless. Pete said. What Pete said. Okay. The life lessons, the, the, the career lessons, what Pete said. Rewind. That's what I have to say. Absolutely. If this was a meme, it would say this. <laughs> it sounds so weird when we say stuff that people say online like uh Pete, i heard you earlier trying to say ig Ugh, it sounds like it tastes like vinegar when i say yeah stuff. right exactly it doesn't try it's, it's one thing that it's one thing to type ig in a text you know just because it's easier and people yeah. know what you're talking about but yeah no it doesn't quite flow in the conversation you're absolutely yeah. right that. it's weird i get it <laughs> but thank you again so much Pete, for joining us it has been a blast and thank you guys for listening and as always we encourage you to go out into the world, be fruitful, multiply, do all those things, but make good choices. We'll be talking to you guys soon. Thanks, guys.